Welcome back to the Betfrisk Golf DFS show. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined today by a very special twosome. First up, you know him as the model maniac, the host of the Back Nine Bets podcast, none other than Byron Lindeque. Byron, how are you feeling coming off our second major of the year? Uh, from a DFS perspective, I am limping. I'm crawling. It's My kneecaps are both blown out. I'm just trying to get you know through the month. But from a betting perspective, we're not too shabby. So luckily for that. And you and I are joined by a very special guest today. No Ron Kloss, as he is out today. But in his place, former pro tour caddy, Brian Mole. Brian, excited to have you here today to talk about Colonial with us. Yeah, John, thanks for having me. Uh, certainly uh, love Colonial, one of the top five events on tour in my caddying days. Uh, love the vibe there, the golf course, uh, and uh Really, really interested to see, uh, you know, uh, excited to see this field that we have and uh, interested to see uh, how the week unfolds. Nine of the top 20 golfers in the world in this stronger than usual field. Any pros most recently you've caddied for that will be playing in Colonial this week? No, uh, my uh, my era was was a few years ago. Um, mm -hmm. I've been in the journalism and uh, writing world for quite a while Uh Jerry Kelly, uh, who will be playing down the road in the senior PGA championship, uh, was a longtime boss of mine. Um, he's one of the kind of kind of short favorites there. Uh, but um, no, it's uh, it's the beautiful thing about Colonial. It has never really changed, uh, mm -hmm. you know, over the last couple of decades. I, I do think they are in store for a big renovation uh, from Gil Hance after the tournament. So uh, they're, I, I understand they're trying to cram an 18-month renovation into 11 months. So the golf course will be ready for next year's tournament. So that will be interesting to see. Uh, there's not a ton of room there on that property. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what he does to, to kind of try to modernize it and dress it up a little bit. That means, one, you just earned yourself a free invite back on this tour since you know about the renovations happening next year at this time. And two, I'm glad you mentioned that because this week's Charles Schwab challenge there in Fort Worth at Colonial Country Club, as Ron mentioned in his course preview, free for everyone on BetsBurstGolf.com, is the 10th toughest course on tour. You said it, Brian. Over the last five years, has not changed. Has averaged zero point two strokes over par in that time. And so, in your opinion, Brian, what does make it so tough? Well, uh, in the afternoon, you're going to have to deal with the wind first and foremost. Yeah. So either Thursday or Friday, uh, and, and as we saw last year on Sunday, I mean, it was Sam Burns storming from seven shots back because he finished early, and the the leaders were just uh, you know one train wreck after another. Um, it was disaster city there on the backside. I mean, at an epic level, like we rarely see on the PGA tour anymore. So that's certainly part of it. And the golf course firms up generally through the week, if there's not any rain, um, which makes not only controlling the tee shots difficult, which is vitally important because you mm -hmm. can get, if you're off, you can be in the fairway and not have a clear shot at the flag in certain places because of the trees and the dog legs and things of that nature. So you've just got to control your golf ball. You know, it's a little different test than what we see on the PGA Tour week in and week out. It's, it reminds me a lot of Harbortown um, in that uh, not only do you have to be in the fairway, you have to be on the correct side of the fairway. You have to be smart when you get yourself in trouble. You have to just try to get it up around the green somewhere where you think you can save a par and uh, avoid the big numbers. You know, double bogey avoidance is a big uh, stat, I think, this week. You just can't, on a par 70, 
uh, with really only one of the par fives that's reachable by most of the field. Uh, there's just not a ton of easy gimme opportunities. You have to earn your birdies. So uh, you can't afford to, to, to give a couple of shots back um, at any point. And, and there are some places on, on at Colonial where you can. And Byron, I think that's why this is a shot-shaping course because accuracy, in particular off the tee, is so important. That's also why I believe that the average approach distance here the last five years has been only 165 yards out because a lot of players are playing small ball, basically, and shortening their clubs. What else are you seeing that you're utilizing for DFS this week, Byron, at Colonial? Yeah, I think with it being this difficult – we need to have guys that are capable of making those par putts. And, you know, mm -hmm. I think I always hone in on five to 15 feet on Ben grass greens. You know, I mentioned it last week and I think this week it still carries some validity. I'm curious as to Brian's perspective on to why it's so much easier around the greens at this golf course than most, apparently according to the stats. I don't know if that's actually the truth, but I'm kind of curious as to how the bunkers and the rough and everything around the green complex is kind of playing to into this week's um, scoring because it, it doesn't seem like it's going to be that difficult around the greens. Yeah, it's um, the greens are relatively flat, you know, compared to what we see. I mean, there's certainly some shelves and some tiers, but um, the rough is generally not too bad and, and it can often be real dry. So, um, you know, it's not, it's not like what they were dealing with last week or anything, you know, like that at Oak Hill, a wet rough and uh, the bunkers are all, not, you know, not extremely deep. Um, it's kind of just like an old country club type golf course in a lot of ways, which I think is what they're trying to change. So if you can, if you can leave your iron miss in the correct spot where you've got a little bit of room with the short game, you know, talents that these guys have, it's the, the, the up and downs really are not that difficult. So I think that's a big part of the reason why we see the, the approach game kind of level out. I mean, the, the, around the green game kind of, uh, you know, even out a little bit this week. Cool. Let's, jump right into it in that case because byron as we talk about dfs salaries and all these golfers i know you're familiar with all them and at the top just like last week for the majors we had scotty scheffler as one of the most priciest golfers on DraftKings. this week 800 more than the next closest golfer scheffler 11.5 finau to that point 10.7 victor hovland strong four days Last week at the PGA Championship, 10-6. Colin Morikawa, who I know is a betting favorite, 10-4. And Max Homa, 10-1. I want to come to you first, too, Brian, on your thoughts on who is playing, in your opinion, the best form right now and who fits this course best out of this elite group. Well, I did a deep dive on Scheffler this morning, and uh, it, it, it's unbelievable how well he's striking so the good. golf ball over the, I mean, and we're not talking short term here. I mean, what's, I think he's had 13 straight top 12 finishes, but when you look at the the shots, he's gained ball striking going back even to the, the, the playoffs last year, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I think it's on the level of Tiger Woods. I can't remember anyone who has struck the ball this well. He's the best driver over the last 50 rounds. He, in this field and in golf, he's the best iron player and he has a top 10 short game. And uh, so basically if he can putt at all, he's going to probably win the golf tournament. Um, I bet Morikawa, I, I like him the most out of this group. I just think this is a terrific fit for him. I watched quite a bit of him last week at Oak Hill. I thought he looked a little bit better with the putter. Um, of course, he had a lot of room to improve uh, based on how he looked for stretches earlier this year. But Morikawa was a guy I had pegged as a bounce back. He showed some signs on the West Coast, and he struggled a little bit 
But I think when you look at courses that fit his skill set, this has got to be right at the top of the list. Of course, he finished runner up here in 2020, so he's proven that he can get it done. But this is a course where his his lack of power is not going to hurt him. He can hit these fairways. He's the best iron player from 125 to 175, and uh, I think should create a lot of opportunities if the putter can just cooperate a little bit. Byron, getting back to some game strategy here for DFS, I know already it's going to be popular to start with Scheffler, one of these high 10K players, and drop right down to speed or Sam Burns or Sung JM as your number two option. I'm not saying that's the correct way to play DFS this week, but I know that's what a lot of people will do. And so your overall thoughts at the top here, and does it start with Scheffler, not just because he fits this course, but because everyone will probably be playing him. Yeah, I think, you know, it's so difficult, especially with Ryan saying that this is a ball strikers course, you know, Scotty is just, I mean, how can you not play the guy? Uh, and especially at 11.5, you know, it's not 12 like we've seen in the past with Ram and, and him, you know, at other events. So I think he affords you still a little bit of salary relief. The ball striking is just too ludicrous right now to even you know, of even think about leaving alone. So I think I'm going to have to put him in some lineups for sure. A lot of them, especially I think I'm seeing like 35% ownership on him. So about a third of the field's got Scotty. Then you got to figure out, okay, what are you going to do with the other guys? I think Colin, like Brian said, is a really solid, you know, pivot off of Tony and, and Victor. We both have, you know, tremendous form coming into this week. Colin's putting antics, you know, typically uh, avoid... He typically kind of figures them out in the majors, but, you know, typical non-major performances on the greens for Colin is nothing exceptional at all. I don't think that matters as much this week, like we said. You know, if he can ball strike this course to death, the putting he can still kind of get away with. He's almost one year before. So I kind of like him as a cheaper pivot off of Tony and, and uh, Victor this week. Oddly enough, Scheffler, Morikawa, Finau, and Hovland first, second, third, and fourth on approach shots as well over the last three months, just in terms of average strokes gain. So overall, these four are priced the most expensive for a reason. Dropping down, though, Byron, Brian, Brian I knew I was going to mess it up eventually, to the 9K range, I do want to get your thoughts on Jordan Spieth because he seems to be a favorite among many this week, both in betting and DFS, and he leads the way in surprisingly here at the top at 9-9. So just what you're seeing in Jordan Spieth right now. Well, he gained six shots off the tee at Oak Hill, and that is uh, – we've not seen that from Jordan Spieth. And he mentioned in one of his post-round comments, I drove the ball like I've been driving it all year. So obviously the confidence is there. Um, so – we know Jordan can get out of the trees, but the less time he can spend there, the more opportunity it gives his iron game and certainly his putter. And when you look at his record at Colonial, I mean, it's as strong as any player at any golf course on, on the PGA Tour over the last decade. I think eight top tens in 10 finishes, a win, three runner-ups. I mean, he's going to be in the mix. I think uh, the wrist concerns, um, he would not be playing this week with the schedule that's coming up with the U.S. Open ahead, if he felt like he could damage his wrist. I generally think this rough, if, if he was able to survive the wet, thick rough at Oak Hill without any issues, I'm not concerned about him in this drier uh, Bermuda rough in, at Colonial. So I, I think he must feel pretty good about his health. And uh, I, I'm just, uh, he's been knocking on the door. He's had some top, you know, what, three top fours in the last month or so. Uh, was very good at Hilton Head. Again, I think this, there's a there's a strong correlation between the two golf courses. And 
you know, Jordan Spieth loves playing golf in Texas. Byron, your thoughts on Jordan Spieth before we dive into the rest of the 9K range, given that we are expecting Spieth to be a top three rostered golfer this week. Exactly. And I think, you know, if you're going to be playing Scotty and then clicking Spieth next, you're going mm-hmm. to be finding yourself with a bunch of other people doing the same thing. Riding a Jordan Spieth chalk train is something that's, it can be exhilarating. You know, the guy is somebody that can do the most bewildering things on and off the golf course. And, you know, going back to Texas, you know, you love the course history. Uh, it's the best at in this field. It makes all the sense in the world to play him, but from an ownership perspective, I think I'm going to have to pick some other guys. You know, I think, you know, with playing so much Scotty, unless you're starting your lineup with Spieth, then then you can go there. But I don't necessarily think I'm going to be playing that much of him. I think I might be pivoting off of him a little bit more. Well, continue on then in this range and tell us, who are you thinking as your pivot options? Because below we have, as we mentioned earlier, Burns, Sun JM, Justin Rose off of his stellar performance last week, Tommy Fleetwood rounding into form, Christian Kirk has that ideal right-to-left ball flight, the draw that that plays so well here at Colonial, and then, of course, Siwoo Kim at a flat 9K. Yeah, no, Christian Kirk on the slant routes is also just an absolute gem. You know, I think he's really, really solid when it comes to these right-to-left slants that we're going to see at this golf course, Mm -hmm. but he's going to be a nice ownership pivot, especially at the bottom of that range. I don't mind Siwoo Kim either. You know, I think he's going to provide you some serious leverage, especially if you're starting off with Scotty. He's 9K flat, and his ball striking has been pretty stellar lately. You know, he's a really accurate driver of the golf ball. His distance is what lets him down a little bit, typically off the tee. So, you know, give me a guy that's been playing really solid golf lately. He's 9K flat. And then I'll pair him up with some like Justin Rose and Sung Jim. I prefer those two guys, too, in the middle of the range here, especially Justin Rose. The guy's course history is a past winner. And I think he's going to be looking to, you know, double down on his ball striking that we've seen really pop up into the side of the top seven yeah, in the field over the last little while. So lots to like from him. With small greens, short approach shots, I do look for ideally players that can approach the green well, close proximity to the hole, but also just players who are going to play well out of the bunker and have done so historically, as well as scramble well. And Sung Jam to that point, is top 12 over the last 36 rounds and bunker save percentage. So he's also a player I'm very high on. I'm also tinkering for DFS, maybe skipping the 10K range, as crazy as that sounds, and starting here, especially with M at the top. But what about these other golfers, Brian, do you see that you, do you think fit well at this course? Yeah, my concern with Kim is that he's never played well here, and it's a pretty sticky course history at Colonial. Um mm-hmm but he's certainly in terrific form. I was uh, looking ahead a few weeks ago and all about Justin Rose, but I'm just worried. I wonder sometimes about guys who are in contention for four days as Rose was at a major and then having to recharge and mentally be there the following week. But certainly, uh, you know, he's won here. Justin's played great. He, he played, you know, he won at Pebble Beach, another course with positional course with small greens. Uh, I love the Kirk play i just think uh when you look at kirk being able to finish top 30 i think last week at the pga on a course that really doesn't suit what he does well um i think that uh you know that that's a good sign for the state of of his game uh i I would avoid sam burns i'm not uh i mean certainly he can get it going at any at any time but uh i just feel like that price is too high based on what we've seen from him i mean shot 14 over last week and uh 
I, I think uh, that that that's a risky risky play there. Uh, but certainly, I, I would lean towards Kirk and Rose and uh, Sungjae. Uh, just you know, he was in Korea, he was in Rochester, now he's in Fort Worth. I mean, that's a <laughs> that's a pretty wild ride for. I know he's a young man, but that's a pretty wild uh, three weeks for anyone. And um, you know, but uh, certainly, it's a great fit for him as well. Any thoughts on what happened with Burns, by the way? I know it was thin fairways and rough. You drop a ball in and you literally can't find it afterwards. But even then, like to shoot 14 over was absolutely insane. Yeah, he's been disappointing in the majors. I mean, I love him and I've won with him, uh, you know, in the past. And certainly I, I, I love those guys who, when they get in the hunt, aren't afraid to win the golf tournament. And he's certainly on a short list there. But uh, for whatever reason, he just hasn't been able to find the same magic in the majors. I don't know if it's a lack of patience um, or just the ability to grind out those pars. I mean, kind of as an aside, I, I mean, for as great as Kepka played the last three rounds last week, I watched his entire first round. He shot 72. He could have very easily shot 76 or 77. And he admittedly said it was the worst ball striking round he'd had in months. But he made those four to eight foot putts for par, maybe even for bogey, just to hang around the leaderboard, didn't get too far detached where he where then you know found a little something on the range. And that's what you have to do in the majors. And I don't know if Burns maybe quite has that uh, at this point in his career, but um, he's he's certainly very talented. But, the, but but yeah, that was a that was an alarming score from him for sure. Moving past the 9Ks into the 8K range. Ricky Fowler at the top at 8-9. Russell Henley, 8-8. Denny McCarthy, 8-7. Cam Davis, I think, could be high rostered at 8-6. They're very volatile, although my favorite, Tom Hoagie, 8-5. Minwoo Lee, 8-4. The list goes on and on. We'll get to a couple of the others at the low end. But, Brian, I want to start with you in the 8K range. Who do you like this week at Colonial among these players? I like Cam Davis, but I'm afraid of his ownership, um, right. you know, so kind of pivoting off of him. I like Jaeger. I know he's down at the bottom a little bit. And um, uh, Danny McCarthy has been playing some really good golf, you know, there for a while, everybody was ex just expecting Den Denny to win. And then that's faded a little bit. But when you really look at his results over the last six, six tournaments or so, he's been extremely consistent. The ball striking continues to improve. We all know that he's one of the better putters on the PGA tour. And uh, I, I would not be against Denny McCarthy whatsoever this week. I think the fit is fine. And, and certainly the form is excellent and uh, it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. If, I mean, he's the kind of guy that, that uh, at Colonial, you need a 63, you know, par 70, you need a low round in there probably to win the golf tournament. It's hard to go out and shoot 67 every day or 66, 67. So uh, Denny McCarthy's a guy who can certainly get red hot with the putter and uh, go on those three birdie streaks that play so well in DK and, uh, and shoot a six, seven, eight under par round um, with a morning tee top. McCarthy also sixth in par four scoring over the last three months among this field. Byron, I want to come to you about the players you like the most in the 8K range. Yeah, I love Denny as well. Brian's on, on the right track. Absolutely agree with him on all of that. Um, just so consistent. You know, he's just been playing really stellar golf. Nothing flashy, just solid, consistent golf. Some other guys that are kind of doing the same thing is Taylor Moore. He's been absolutely crushing it. Yeah, at 8K flat. This guy's just, you know, finishing inside the top 40 in like 80, 75% of his starts. The guy's just absolutely crushing out there. And he's putting really nicely too. I think he's also one of those guys that can go real low 
on a specific day, like Brian mentioned there. Um, he's just been really pounding greens in regulation as well on the ball striking front. And then another guy just above him is Steven Yeager and Brian Harmon, two very similar kind of individuals in the price range there. I love what um, Jaeger's been doing on T to green, just all the way till he gets to the greens. Then it's a disaster. But I think the ball striking and chipping around the greens is more than enough to kind of supersede the crap that we're going to see on the putting front. And then I love Brian Harmon's course history. I know he let everybody down last year. I think he was one of the chalkiest guys to miss the cut in the season. And I think it's kind of looking like that, that kind of ownership's not nearly approaching that range again this year. So we kind of, I don't mind going back to him this week um, after a bit of a blotchy PGA championship. Both of you summed up Jaeger well, and while I will be pl- why I will be playing him since he is in my notes, I also like going back to Russell Henry, Byron, Brian. We talked about him last week um, as someone who was trending in the right direction with five consecutive made cuts, and then even his approach didn't fall off. He averaged one point four strokes on approach last week at the PGA Championship. It was just his putting on that freaking bent grass was an absolute disaster. But in DFS, as we know, after a player is so highly considered, so high rostered, and then has a terrible performance, after he was trending in the right direction, that is the time to buy the stock low and get back on him. So I am getting right back on the Russell Henley wagon, for better or worse. And then, Brian, I don't know if you're aware, but Brian Harmon has become a running joke on this show because I can't seem to pick the right week to play him. I do know, though, per Ron Kloss, that since 2015, Brian Harmon has gained the most total strokes post-major. And that is a gap that includes 60 rounds in that time out of this entire field. 87.2 strokes gained post-major in that time. So I will be getting right back on Brian Harmon as well, especially since the salary went up in a condensed field compared to a major field. Anyone, Brian, you or else you were thinking who could be a sleeper here in this range? No, I think uh, Byron covered most of it. You know, I like Taylor Moore. I've loved him all all year. Uh, played him at uh, Tampa, which was great, um, and uh, have had bet him outright some other times during the year. Unfortunately, not that week, but um, he uh, he's really just solid. You know, I think he's a guy with a bright future. Certainly, uh, played college golf in Oklahoma, so uh, he's familiar with this part of the world. Uh, yeah, Brian Harmon, I'll be, uh, you know, if you're a Brian Harmon on the PGA Tour, you've, you're, you've got about six or eight weeks circled where you know that you need to go out and make your money and mm-hmm. and uh, and have top 10 finishes and convert. And you just hope that your game is kind of firing when you arrive at those tournaments. And Colonial certainly would be at the top of Harmon's list. Uh, the form has, has not been great. Uh, it's been, a, you know, he played well in the fall and it's been a little indifferent since, but um I would not be surprised whatsoever if he just has a comfort level when he arrives in Fort Worth in Colonial where he knows he can just play play solid and uh, and shoot a few under par each day. As we creep into the 7Ks, another running bit on this show, Brian, is Byron's fellow South African, Christian Bezaden, who'd always getting shouted out. And in this case, Byron... I do think he's actually in a really good position having led this field and strokes gained on putting over the last calendar year and just really all other forms in terms of his short game, sand save, scrambling, proximity to the hole from 150 to 175 yards out since that's where majority of these shots come from, 55% from 165 yards out. I think Bezzy fits this course really well this week. So well. 
you know, the approach play is he's trending towards elite ranger of the last 24 rounds. It's Victor, Scotty, Colin, and Tony Finau only ahead of him in strokes gained approach of the last 24 rounds. Those are some serious names. He's ahead of Spieth even. So love what he's doing on the approach play side. He's very accurate off the tee. You know, the distance is a massive concern elsewhere, not here. He played well here last time he, he teed it up, T15, doing it with the irons, with the putter. The bent grass putting, he's the best in the field, and he's expecting a baby soon. So, like, he just announced that. Guy's got some daddy swag going on. You know, it's like all of all of the stuff you could wish for. It's culminating to this perfect South African explosion, and we're waiting for our, our superstar to show back up on the field because Louis left us. You know, all the live guys have gone. Bezzy's going to be our guy to kind of take in Big Easy's new shoes, and I think he's got a similar swing. So there's a lot to love. I'm very excited this week for Bezzy. Any other thoughts before we kick it to Brian on your favorite plays in the 7K range, Byron? Yeah. Uh, Brian Harmon light, Brendan Todd, probably a better version of him too. I think, you know, the accuracy off the T-fold, Todd Father is just stellar. And then the short game. This guy leads the field in, in strokes game putting and around the green combined over the last 24 rounds. He's amazing. The bogey avoidance is pretty solid for old Brendan. Two, he's 16th in that range. Medium golf course scoring is 16th too. So the course history, a T-third and an eighth in the last two starts. I mean, this golf course suits him perfectly. He's definitely one of those guys that circles events like this on his calendar. Emiliano Grillo, a little bit chalky, but very appealing, you know, on the ball striking and putting front. This guy is hot and cold with the putter, but when he rides that putter hot, he rides it for a while. I like what he's been up to. Got great course history at two. And then a sneaky, a little sneakier play is Ryan Fox. Doesn't have really many too, too many stats on the PGA Tour websites, things like that, but he's 41st in the world in official ranking points. So this guy's solid. He's... Accuracy off the tee is probably going to deter a lot of people, but he's got immense distance. I think he can absolutely sizzle some three irons off the tee, about 250 out there in the right spot. Um, very tidy short game too. And then Hayden Buckley. I mean, I'm just rattling off chalk after chalk here, but mm -hmm. Buckley's uh, driving off the tee and ball striking is just nuts. He's the second best driver of the golf ball in the field behind Scotty Scheffler, which is like impossible to beat. But He's just so good, and he's $7,300. So that's nice there to see. And then you got to play Ryan Palmer in Texas, as always. You know, the ball striking also is rather looking really trendy. I like what he's up to. And then I'll round it out with Andrew Putnam, another chalk bomb. But, I mean, just you're going to have to play these guys. They all play really well at this golf course. I'm glad you keep mentioning the chalk because I like Harris English as a 1% to 2% play, unless you have him for higher right now. He was getting healthier, made 7 of 10 cuts prior to the PGA Championship, and then it all exploded there. But again, as someone who was trending in the right direction, a T2 at Wells Fargo, uh, I want to get back on that train in this spot. And then creeping down a little lower, I want to get your thoughts, Brian, on Ryan Palmer and what does differentiate players in Texas? Why do certain players play certain regions outside of it just being like, maybe it is because it's just his hometown so well. Yeah, it's just a comfort level. Um, you know, I grew up playing competitive junior and amateur golf in like uh, in North Carolina and then, and, and, you know, comfort level I always had in the Carolinas on the, in the Pinehurst courses and the, the pine trees. And, 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 but boy, if you went down to Florida, it was tough to beat those Florida guys in Florida. Because they just, mm -hmm. and I think the wind element is a big, there's just a comfort level in the wind. If you play golf in Florida or Texas, the wind is going to blow in the afternoon and you just, you, you are able to control the trajectory of your iron shots. And, um, 
you're you're comfortable on the on those grasses. So I think uh, I think that's a big part of it. You know, those are two very distinct regions, but we see certain guys play well in Florida every year during that swing, and we see the same thing in Texas, where the same names kind of pop up. Um, you know, it's close to home. I know Ryan Palmer's longtime caddy, uh, who is now working for Davis Riley, was a member at Colonial. Um, as well. So that was certainly, he has as much course knowledge as anyone uh, with, you know, him being on his bag for 20 years, year about. And uh, yeah, Palmer's a guy that, that you do have to play in Texas. Uh, Byron stole a lot of my, uh, I love this 7k range. I think you well, can feel free together, to double it up. Yeah. I think you can put together a really good roster this week going, you know, hard at the top. Um, you, you could even play Scheffler and just and fill it up with a bunch of 7K guys in, in a way and, and take your chances um, and hope that you have the right guys. Brendan Todd, um, I love. Um, I know his teacher, Bradley Hughes, a little bit, and uh, he says he's really in nice ball striking form. Certainly we saw that for, for a guy like Brendan Todd, the top 10 at Quail Hollow, a course that doesn't suit his skill set whatsoever, is, uh, tells me that his game's in pretty, pretty nice form, and, and we certainly know what he can do with the putter. Uh, Bo Hostler is Bo Hostler good now? Like uh, Bo Hostler led the U.S. Open as a teenager. Bo Hostler was an All-American in Texas. Uh, Bo Hostler struggled early in his PGA Tour career, but he's kind of turning into this consistent guy. And here he is in Texas. I think he finished 21st at Colonial last year, and uh, he, he's he, he's kind of on a nice run. I mean, maybe he's he's kind of found it, you know, not everybody comes out like a Colin Morikawa or a Victor Hovland and, and has instant success. Certain guys, it takes them a while to get adjusted, but um, certainly his game has flaws, but I, I don't, uh, I'm not afraid of Bo Hostler this week. And um, my guy's Eric Cole though. I think uh, uh, Eric Cole impressed me so much at the Honda. He played well enough to win. You know, he just didn't work out for him, but uh, look at a guy, 34 year old rookie. Think about, I mean, he's won 60 sometimes on the mini tour. You think about all the pressure moments he was in making money when there's not much money available, when you're just trying to keep your career alive and survive. And it's not like, oh, well, if I make it, I make 150,000. If I miss it, I make 125. No, no, no. That's not the case on the mini tours. You have to finish at the very top. It's high pressure situations and you have to win. And that's something that he proved he could do. And I just think his game is uh, very well-rounded. Uh, you know, he can get hurt a little bit on the courses where a lot of distance is required, but this is not one of them. He plays that nice right to left ball flight. And uh, I just, when he stands over a putt, it, it looks like it's going into me, which is like the opposite of Morikawa. So um, I, uh, I, I, I like Eric Cole this week. And um, Sam Stevens is another guy I like. I don't think it's the best fit, but I, I think from a talent perspective, I had a agent friend of mine tell me that Sam Stevens is the next Cam Young. And uh, certainly Cam Young's been struggling a little bit, but we certainly know what he can do when he's on form. And uh, so I'm, I'm taking that to heart with Sam Stevens. Uh, he'll be a guy that uh, I don't know that uh, necessarily the course matters a whole lot if, if you're talking about that level of talent. I also love the Brendan Todd call because not only, as you mentioned, can we play Scheffler and Spieth and feel comfortable, but if everyone's going to do that, we need to differentiate in the 7K range in particular. And Byron mentioned a lot of the chalk players. Brendan Todd, I'm not really expecting to be too high rostered. And he hasn't lost strokes on putting or play around the green since February. Like he's yeah. coming into this course at proper form. So I, I love that pivot at seven, eight to go along with Scheffler. If that's the way we're all playing it here in the six K range though, Byron curious who you're seeing pop 
Uh, Austin Eckroat comes to mind for his approach and play around the green. I know our own Ryan Noonan has written up Akshay Bhatia as a potential outright winner, which seems crazy in terms of DFS salary since he's right here at 6,700. But who else is popping for you? I've got Akshay for an outright as well and a top 20 plus 500. So I like what he's up to. I think he's going to be a popular guy in the 6K range because ball striking. My God, this guy is a sizzle factory, man. The guy put an iron in his hand and it just starts going crazy. Um, A comp course that he played nicely at off the tee was he gained a stroke off the tee on each round at Harbour Town, missed the cut because of his around the green blunders, which might be a problem here again this week. So I don't know if I'm going to go to him in DFS, especially if the ownership starts creeping up there. He's a very risky, rewardy kind of a play. DFS kind of, you know, is a perfect option to get off him. Go bet him top 20, go bet him outright, do all that stuff. Um, I do like him, though. Just too popular. Chez Reevy, Nate Lashley, two guys that are kind of fancy in this range at 6900 bucks. Chez Reevy last week at the PGA Championship, a little superstar. Um, he was pretty pretty much doing his thing there off approach. He's 22nd in the field recently, putting nicely. And Nate Lashley is going to be on, on route to try and record his fifth straight top 40 on tour. Um, he's 6900 bucks, and he's, he's one of these guys that is fifth in green regulation rates on the PGA Tour if you prorate these proximity buckets. We're going to see here Mark Hubbard's playing nice golf again. His approach plays real sexy at 17th in the field. And then his, his Ben Cross putting is also pretty stellar. So you like to see that from him. A few other guys that I'm kind of eyeing out down at the bottom here are Aaron Badley at $6,400 and Robbie Shelton. Two very similar kind of golfers. Nothing really fancy until you get around the greens and they both just can scramble their face off. I like what they can get up to there. Solid uh, bogey avoidance for Badley in particular. His distance off the tee is pretty shouty, but you know these short courses kind of suit his game a lot more. And then Eric Van Royen at $6,200. He kind of grades out well on a comp course basis here. And then are you ready for this one? No. Rory Sabatini at $6,000 flat. Recent form, hot garbage. But if you take a look at what he's up to around Colonial, I don't think he's... He's got one of the craziest course records, yeah. He just every time he shows up, he, he balls out. He's got a really tidy short game. I think he leans on it a lot, yeah. He's pretty comfortable. He rocks that Texas hat back in the day. So I don't I don't mind old Sabo here at 6K. Sabo, who has missed the cut in eight of his nine last tournaments. I support your decision to play 1% golfers, though. Brian, anyone creeping out to you in this lower range? How about Ben Martin? Mm-hmm. Ben Martin is uh, top 10 in this field in uh, strokes gain approach on shorter golf courses. Um, you know, has good, good proximity numbers in, in the buckets that we're looking at. The putting on bent grass hasn't been particularly great, but uh, he's been solid at Colonial. You know, it's a place where uh, he hasn't been able to get in the last few years, but now that he's back in the field, uh, you know, he has some good results there in the past. So he's certainly interesting. And then uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Carson Young, who shot, 125 in U.S. Open qualifying earlier this week, uh, breaking uh, Scotty Scheffler's course record um, in the process. And, uh, he, you know, he's been a sneaky, solid guy, played well at Harbortown. Of course, that was a bit of a home home game for him as a as a former Clemson uh, college star. But uh, 6,300, I mean, maybe worth a shot there for sure. That's a, that's a nice uh, salary relief. 
We also use a stat, Brian, at Betchbrook Golf in our models that we pull from PGA data called good drive percentage. So basically, the furthest inches your ball is away from the fairway, meaning like from the rough, meaning your ball is X amount safe from the rough when you drive. And Carson Young over the last 30 rounds actually leads this field and having the best good drive percentage. So I think you're on to something there for sure, especially given that he's going to be a 1% play. Um, I want to wrap up the show though, asking y'all the tough questions because since we've already talked about it, people are likely going to start with Scheffler or hovlin or someone at the top and then matching a high 9k player that means everyone will then be scrambling for to shove their lineups with players below 8k so byron we'll start with you your two favorite players your two flag plants priced under 8k on DraftKings. it's it's busy and todd i i can't get off of those two guys i do love todd uh brian what about you uh eric cole and todd they're, they're in all my lineups so far. And, um, you know, I play mostly single entries. Uh, that's kind of my niche in the, in the fantasy world. Mm -hmm. And, um, I like those guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going, I'm riding Eric Cole. I, I've got a good feeling. I can't get off now. We have a clean sweep on Todd for better or worse. And Byron, I want to end with also your favorite bet for this week. My favorite bet of the week is Christian Bezegno plus 320 for a top 20 at FanDuel. So I think he's been rattling off top 30s like crazy since the players. And I think this golf course suits him really nicely. So you get some really good value there. But Brian, anything you're seeing right now, a favorite bet you have, whether it be an outright, a top 20, T40, however you bet things. Um, I bet more cow outright. I love that. But I uh, also like a plus 200 top 10. I have a Morikawa Rainmaker I will be shoving into those lineups, so I appreciate you getting me on board with that. Brian, what else do you do? Where else can people find your work right now? Uh, I am on Twitter. I contribute a lot of different places. Um, at BG Mall, you can pretty much find anything I write, and uh, I'll link to it there. And um, I usually throw out some outright selections early in the week as well, if you want to follow those. was fortunate to be on the Kepka train last week. Mm. So uh, hopefully we can keep it rolling with uh, Morikawa or uh, maybe Eric Cole this week. Byron, you know what to do here. Yep, as always, Back Nine Bets is the YouTube channel you want to go and find yourself at if it's not Bets, but it's golf. And Rotoballer.com is pretty much everywhere where you can find what I've been writing, and at the Model Maniac is pretty much the home of all of that. And although Ron Kloss, PJ Splits 101, was not on this show, remember, if you are a Discord and subscriber to Bet First Golf, he will be answering all your betting and DFS questions at 4.30 p.m. Eastern in that particular channel. So... Until next week, thanks to both Brian and Byron for joining. And remember, be a little bit kinder than what's required. We'll see you next time.